Welcome to Self-Discovery Media Network, formerly known as Self-Discovery Radio. Each week we bring you illuminating shows from those making a difference in the lives of others. They've taken their own journey. They're here to share their skills, their wisdom to help you on yours. You can see more about us at selfdiscoverymedia.com and please listen to our wonderful collection of shows. Our next show is... Hello, everyone, and welcome to Recovering the Whole of You. My name is Dr. Kitty Adley. I'm a recovery expert and physical therapist in Nassau, Bahamas. I am the owner of Handling Your Health, Wellness, and Rehab, which is a physical therapy and wellness clinic, and I am very happy to be here today with you, sharing nuggets of wellness, recovery, and health. Today, I'm happy to have with me Dr. Melissa Evans. Welcome, Dr. Evans. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Great. Thank you for thank you for showing up. <laughs> so what I'd love for you to do is just tell us about Dr. Melissa. Who who are you? Where you started your career? Where did you study? What's your passions? Sure, my favorite topic in the world, sleep. So where did I start? So um I actually got introduced to sleep disorders medicine in the US Army. I joined the Army um back in 2001 at the beginning of the Gulf War, and they were in need desperately of all types of sleep professionals, sleep technologists, physicians, um, sleep therapists, um, just because we, they had a big need for um, people to diagnose and treat sleep disorders within the military. So that's where I actually got my start. Um, I did undergraduate studies in South Florida at FIU and at Nova Southeastern, where I finished. Um, and I went on to do doctoral studies at Nova Southeastern University um, in coordination with the U.S. Health Academy um, in Fort Sam Houston, Texas. So the Army pretty much um, found me and said, hey, you know what, you can fill um, a, a need that we have. You have a respiratory therapy background, which should make the sleep thing really, really easy for you. Uh, and so I was like, sleep? Well, who does that? But hey, you know, let's do it. So that's how I got introduced to sleep. I worked in the mil in Germany for about six years um, in the sleep disorders testing center, um, where we did extensive research on um, post-traumatic stress syndrome in soldiers in the military that were recovering and that were headed into the war. Uh, after my stint in Germany, I decided to head back home. But right before that, we um, I decided to open up a clinic in South Florida, um, a sleep disorders clinic. And I worked there for about a year before deciding to come home and spread my wealth of knowledge in sleep disorders to the Bahamas. So that, that was about 10, 11 years ago. Okay. And ever since. Um, we have established a sleep solutions company, which is um, the prior name was Bahamas Sleep Solutions. Uh, we now have established um, three clinics, one in Nassau, one in Freeport, and one in Abco. Um, and we have just uh, gotten approval and are in the process of opening the National Sleep Institute, which will head extensive research and sleep testing um, and just research numbers and data for the country, which we have none available now, but we're working really hard to provide some data and awareness on sleep disorders uh, for the Bahamas. So that's in a long shot. They are married, I have five children, and um, avidly involved in the healthcare arena for the country but thanks again for having me so we can talk Life about my favorite 
<laughs> my pleasure. So you were one of the first people that got established in sleep studies here in the Bahamas, were you? I do believe, I do believe that I, I am. I, in particular, I think on the scale that we introduced, we were the first actual state-of-the-art sleep disorders testing facility. Right. Um, and I know that, you know, there were physicians that were um, actually diagnosing sleep patients before I did come home. But um, I'm sure that our lab was not only the first um, major center, right. but we have now i'm sure seeing the most of most of the the patients within the bahamas that were diagnosed with sleep disorders so yeah i think i think we could comfortably say that we were one of the we're one of the pioneers in sleep in the country i can comfortably say that fantastic fantastic and it's so great because um we celebrated sleep awareness month the 10th and the 16th of march and i said you popped right into my mind my mind i was like i have to get you on um we take for granted sleep and how important it is for our wellness and you mentioned sleep disorders could you go in and explain a little bit more about sleep disorders so people can have an understanding of just what a sleep disorder is it's not just insomnia right so sleep disorder um, is pretty much defined as any abnormality that a person might have during an actual sleep phase. Mm -hmm. So in addition to insomnia, which is um, the inability uh, to initiate sleep or stay asleep, we do have other ailments like um, obstructive sleep apnea, essential sleep apnea, all of the uh, sleep apnea categories. Um, in addition to that, sleep terrors, nightmares, um, even just uh, bruxism or teeth grinding, um, which occurs a lot in kids. Um, but we, the whole threshold of anything abnormal during an actual sleep pattern, so sleepwalking, sleep talking, anything that might be abnormal during, during an actual sleep phase okay. is what we diagnose and treat. Okay. So what would be one of the most common presentations you see at the sleep clinic? Most definitely obstructive sleep apnea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say um, out of the thousand or so people that we've seen within the past um five six ten years or more um about 80 percent of those patients are going to be obstructive sleep apnea patients patients that snore they stop breathing while they're asleep and they have some type of obstruction that doesn't allow them to breathe properly during the sleep phase so that's yeah definitely the most prominent thing that's seen here in a sleep facility okay so how is that diagnosed and then treated Usually, um, it would be pre-diagnosed um, either by, you know, having symptoms that you would present with your um, primary care physician and then your primary care physician or any doctor that you visit would refer you in um, due to your symptoms. Um, you would be symptomatic for obstructive sleep apnea, and so this is really what's going to warrant a visit to the sleep lab. Um, in addition to that, if you're a snorer, if um, you have excessive daytime sleepiness or somnolence, we call any of those symptoms will bring you in to us for an initial analysis or consultation. And then we would um, recommend the first phase of diagnosis, which is an overnight sleep study, and it's called a polysomnogram. And that's where you would actually come in and spend the night with us, and we would diagnose um, if obstructive sleep apnea actually exists. Okay. Okay. And um, so once that's diagnosed, then what, what steps does someone take? If one of our guests may be listening and think that they may have this presentation, what's the next right. step? Usually if you're diagnosed with, um, in, the, in the clinic, we move on to the second phase, which is the treatment phase. And uh -huh. we would introduce 
um, the gold standard for treatment for obstructive sleep apnea, which is CPAP therapy, continuous positive airway pressure. Um, we would analyze and detect which pressure work to resolve your sleep apnea and then we make those recommendations um, for you to get set up with your personalized device that you would use every time you um, initiate sleep and that would treat the disorder. Now in men, we find that body mass index and genetics is the predetermined factor for obstructive sleep apnea. So we try and work on those factors while we're providing treatment with CPAP. So if you're overweight and this is the reason why um, you're having obstructive sleep apnea, then we try and um, have the patient geared or focused towards weight loss. Um, we get them support in the wellness arena mm -hmm. and we work closely with some of the um, neighboring physicians and wellness um, gyms and stuff like that to get them in a, a, a normal body mass index. So their incidence of sleep apnea would go down a bit. And then um, we pretty much go there. They're closely followed by our clinic and our facility um, just to make sure that they're continuously um undergoing treatment and it's effective pretty much great so you maintain your relationship with your patients your clients oh, most definitely. there are patients uh, definitely yeah definitely we do. so what would be the signs on symptoms of someone who may have sleep apnea because we know it's pretty common but it's not really people really don't think it's what it truly is sure so the number one um i'd say surprise that i give people that I'm spreading awareness to is snoring. If you're, if you, if you snore, you know, someone who snores, which I'm sure a lot of people do. <laughs> right. And I mean, it comes in all different variations. Someone who snores a little to someone who takes the roof off and you can't sleep in the same room. Any type of snoring is never normal. Let me just say that first. So there's any type of snoring whatsoever. It's abnormal, whether it be in babies, children, adults, um, obese people, people with a normal weight, anything. Um, that usually tells us there's an obstruction in the airway and you should be tested for sleep apnea. That's the number one symptom right now, especially. Sorry. Um, okay. Um, that brings people in. And then again, just if you're tired, fatigued, you have headaches in the morning. Um, if there are any com what we call comorbidities, which means that they have other ailments that's going on, high blood pressure that, you know, a lot of our population um, diabetes, any of those things will also warrant a visit just primarily because the incidence of sleep apnea increases with those, what we call chronic disease. So okay. snoring, sleepiness during the day, tiredness, fatigue, memory impairment. Um, if you have high blood pressure, cardiac disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's and dementia, any of those things would qualify and quantify you to visit um, and be uh, diagnosed. Okay. Yeah, that's, that is really good. So how important would you say, we know how important it is for, well, let's just talk about the importance of sleep. Where I really wanted yeah. to go is for recovery, but even before we go to recovery, just for normal everyday existence, how yeah. important is, is sleep for, for normal existence? So that's a really, really great question because it's something that um, I feel like a lot of people um, in the general public, they're not aware of. They think that um, insufficient sleep is all right. Um, you can pretty much go on with your daily life and routine and nothing, never, there's no side effects from sleep. Mm -hmm. So there are three things you need to survive as a human being. This is, this is physical, statistical finding. This, these, these things have been researched for years and years and years by all of the um, academies of medicine. Um, one of those things is sleep. There are three things, it's sleep, exercise and diet so you need to eat 
you need to sleep and you need to move in whichever <laughs> way. Those are the three things you need to survive. If you remove any of those three things, then you're going to have a physiological breakdown, right? Um, so that's something that I express. It's important that you understand that you have to be an adult. In particular, you should have at least six to eight hours of sleep. Anything less than that, you're going to fall into that category for physiological or, or um, you know, mental breakdown. We, our studies within the Army has shown us that uh, soldiers that lack uh, sleep over a period of time started to deteriorate cog cognitively. Um, uh, they had impairment in memory and judgment and, um, and just the physical, uh, you know, details of what they had to carry out. And so we've actually um, really scientifically said that, hey, you have to sleep for a certain period of time in order for you to um, be productive physically, right. pretty much. Right. There's no way getting around that. I don't know how to explain that enough. Well, I, I'm glad that you said it because one of the things that when we when when I work with patients, right, um, and we're trying to get them to heal to recover, they don't seem to understand the importance of good sleep. You know, yeah. and your body needs that time to shut mm -hmm. down so it can repair and replenish. Exactly. If you're not sleeping, like you said, if you're not if you're not sleeping, that body doesn't have that time to go through and reestablish connections, to take out the toxins, to bring new right. nutrients into the area. And so we really, really stress good sleep and a minimum at, at that really of seven to eight hours for recovery, right. or if you can. But then again, like you said, we have to make sure that we have a good established um, meal plan, diet plan for the person, and there is structured exercise movement, exercise prescription. So thank you so much for going over that. These are the things that we take for granted. Yeah. So what other benefits of sleep is there? You talked about function, cognition, any benefits that people may often overlook, you think? I feel, I feel like um, besides those that we discussed before, overall, you're talking about just a different, a better quality of life. I have people that come in that are diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea and their quality of life is diminished just because they're not sleeping properly during the night because of obstructive sleep apnea or whatever ailment they might have. Right. So they're grumpy all the time. They wake up, they're in a bad mood. It causes friction within the household with children, with spouses, etc. So you're talking about a completely different quality of life. You're, mm -hmm. you're talking about just the ability to feel refreshed and that you're okay and that you can make decisions and that you can get along with everyone. And you know what I mean? You, you wake up and, and I, sometimes, I mean, the biggest thing we have like in the clinic is we have spouses that usually get their snoring spouses in. And it's really because they're so upset and angry that they aren't able to sleep at night. And so this has caused major um, marital stress it causes stress within the household. And so you're talking about it's just a different quality of life. You know right. what I mean? You're a happy person. Um, you want to get up and do things and, and be productive and all that other stuff. So, you know, it, as minimal as people might think a good night's sleep is, it's really important for your overall well-being. Yeah. I can't express that enough. That um, I mean, in children in particular, we found research studies um, by the American Academy of Pediatrics um, they've deemed that children have a failure to, to thrive in school if they're sleep deprived, mm -hmm. which means if kids are up all night on the computers and on the electronic games and stuff like that, and they're not getting the adequate amount of sleep, which we've deemed to be no less than 10 hours, 
then you know they don't perform as well in school um socially don't they don't perform as well and so we have a, a lifestyle lifetime change that can affect them over the long period mm-hmm. so that's important that you understand that it's just um the whole well-being Right. So I love the fact that you you keep quoting research that, that we've gone in and studied and tried to right. get significant um, data about yeah. this. So clinically, exactly. clinically, let me tell you what I've noticed with my patients, the patients, because I, I have my patients oftentimes log their sleep, their, their, their nutrition, their pain symptoms, and the nights when they have better sleep patterns, they have longer hours of sleep, they're less sensitive to pain. The pain trust, pain seems to decrease as well. And so this is one of the ways that I can sort of show them, look, the nights that you have better sleep, you have less pain, you function better. So can you speak to that? Have you seen any research that may speak to that and, and back that up? Um, the neurological research um, behind um, pain receptors and, and what you're talking about in particular, just automatically we have found that people even like in stroke patients you know what i mean if they have and that's why it's so important for even those patients in particular brain injury patients etc neuro patients neurological deficit patients those it's so important for them to sleep and rejuvenate because they rebuild new new neurons daily by the hour i mean they're reconnecting and so this has a direct um a direct reflection on pain reception yeah right most definitely. so you would find that those patients that are sleeping better are sleeping well um tend to have a higher pain threshold they're not painful all the time and most definitely that's 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 i don't have the exact science on it but it's been proven over and over in neuroscience that these are the people that really respond much better um, when we talk about physical therapy when we talk about neurological cognitive therapy etc so mm-hmm. most definitely Sleep, yeah, sleep is going to be your basis for every type of positive rejuvenation there is. Believe it or not, people are saying, oh, you know, it is what I eat. Yes, it is what you eat and exercise, but sleep is a really large dynamic. And I think over the past 10 years, it's been our challenge um, in our clinic to go out there and spread that awareness of the Mm -hmm. importance of what a proper night's sleep is. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not only in the field to kind of, diagnose sleep apnea or diagnose insomnia or diagnose you know parasomnia activity but also to just put out their proper behavioral patterns behavioral modifications for people that have such poor sleep habits you know what i mean it's really important because you can fix all of the ailments but if your behavioral patterns are not sound then it just kind of defeats the purpose so that's that's been our our goal perfect that is a perfect segue into my next question was, how do we establish good sleep hygiene? Because you would see many nights people are, oh, I, am, I have insomnia, insomnia, insomnia. How do we, let's, 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 let's talk about that, establishing good sleep hygiene. Yeah, so I call, I call it behavioral modification. I mean, it's okay. a big, it's a big, even um, uh, the last research and studies that have come out, the cognitive behavioral therapy, therapy they call it cbt and then in particular for patients with insomnia would be cbti for patients, right so the first thing we look at before any type of medication is prescribed or anything to combat insomnia is to first look at your behavioral patterns what time do you go to sleep is it a regular bedtime is it conducive for sleep is it dark is it cool 
Um, is it uh, without interference? Those are the things that we're going to look at first. So we look at sleep diaries. We look at you know the time that you try to initiate sleep. You should try and initiate sleep at a regular time every single night. Your okay. body works off of a circadian rhythm, right? So it's on a rhythm, which means that what you need to do is train your body to try to attempt sleep at the same time every night. That's the number one thing. It has to be conducive of sleep, your surroundings, which means that it needs to be cool, it needs to be dark, it needs to be quiet. These are things that, that are gonna allow your body to kind of, uh, and your brain to kind of relax and go to sleep. So those are the first things off the bat. Behave, we're looking at behavioral things. Okay. Don't consume large amounts of alcohol before sleep, or if you're a smoker, you know, let your last nicotine, um, your last cigarette or whatever be an hour before sleep all of these are behavioral therapies that kind of help a person get into a regular pattern or routine and that's really really important especially for insomnia patients that feel like oh my goodness no matter what i do i can't initiate sleep you'll find if you put them in that pattern mm -hmm. um, for a period of time usually it's two weeks they usually um tend to respond really really well before we even introduce um uh pharmacology into the into the makeup so yeah, that's a behavioral modification, big thing. Go to sleep at the same time. I mean, again, let's talk about kids. Kids is the biggest challenge for behavioral modification because um, we're trying to get them in bed at the same time every night. We're trying to get them in bed for at least 10 hours of sleep, continuous. We're trying to not have their sleep interfered. So there should be no pets, no, you know what I mean? No loud noises. There should right. be no televisions in the room that, you know, play. iPads and tablets iPad and tablets are really, really a bad idea just because it doesn't allow the brain to relax while we're trying to initiate sleep. So that's a really, really bad idea. So okay. we're trying to change all of those behavioral patterns to try and make um, a good sleep pattern. Okay. okay. Well, that is fantastic. I think you need to put on a sleep workshop because many of us need that. <laughs> we need Most to definitely. Um, before the end of the year, we're going to run our first um or maybe if not at the end of this year it'll definitely show up for the next sleep week so by next year march we're going to have our very first sleep conference and we're going to invite the best minds from the u.s and europe and canada to come in and um, just talk about sleep and that's i'm excited about that um we have ongoing health fairs that we speak to we have engagements that we go we try and you know, kind of put out there. So we're really heavy about education. That's really, really important because if you don't know any better, then we can't resolve the whole, the whole, you know, issue of ineffective sleep. So that is awesome. awesome. That is awesome. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. I'm sending my patients there, sending my friends and family there because we need this information. So I know you but in between patients, so I'm going to let you run back. But before you run, could you please give us the contacts? If somebody's listening, how could they find you, your websites, your emails, your social media handles? Mm -hmm. Sure. So we're located in Caves Village Plaza out on West Bay Street. Um, it's Sleep Solutions. Sleep Solutions. And that's in Nassau, Bahamas. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Um, yeah, it's in Nassau, Bahamas. <laughs> in Freeport, we're in the medical. Um, but it's probably, I don't know, someone keeps trying to get through. Someone's very insistent. Um, it's probably, we're probably not going to be in Freeport very much longer um, because okay. we're going to source our sources into um, a bigger population in Abaco that we really needed. And we're going to be on the main highway in Marsh Harbor. 
Okay. Um, the National Sleep Institute is on East Bay Street, just opposite the Land and Survey. Okay. Um, that that facility is going to be open, and it's a really good facility because we're going to be running um, research sleep testing there. So persons that have sleep disorders and just want to um, really contribute to the country's research and data, but at the same time be tested and treated, they can contact that facility there. Our numbers. 225-2683 is our main number. Um, and that can be uh, attached to that number, our urgent numbers that you can always get a part of the team. Okay. Um, so you contact that number and there's no one there. There's always um, a secondary backup urgent number that you can get. Could you just and, repeat the number with the area code, please? It's 242-225-2683. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And email address is going to be sleepbahamas at gmail.com or sleepsolutions242 at gmail.com and, um, and then also now sleepinstitute242 at gmail.com. So either any one of those handles, you can get in contact with us. We're on Facebook under Bahama Sleep Solutions. If you want to contact us through Facebook. Um, but yeah, we're here to help and provide as much education and awareness as you might need. Good. So we'll put all the contacts and the links below. But um, before we leave, just give us one tidbit, one thing to make us sleep better tonight. Turn the TVs off at a certain time. That's what I like. Turn the TVs off at a certain time. and um, TVs, tablets, and iPads, right? TVs, tablets, and iPads. I feel like laptops phones and tablets and laptops they kind of go off after a certain period like a non-use but the tvs are are what's really really you know you have them on running the whole night and then mm -hmm. you wake up like, ah what has happened so yeah turn the tvs off turn all the electronics off and try and initiate a regular bedtime that's it that's Great. a good place to start Great. Thank you so much for your time and your treasure of information. Um, this is Kitty Adley, physical therapist, recovery expert, signing off. Thank you so much. We hope that you've learned a lot from about sleep. And please feel free to reach out and touch and talk to Dr. Melissa Evans so we can get all that information for you and to you. So until next time, take care. Thank and you for having me. Bye. We hope that you enjoyed the show. To hear more of these wonderful shows on selfdiscoverymedia.com, just look up our podcast genre list. You will see many shows archives there ready for listening. Don't forget to share these wonderful shows. And if you wish to be a guest or a host, or you have an organization that needs to be highlighted, contact us at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com. Bye for now.